Privacy is a basic and fundamental human right. In today's show, we learn more about decentralized finance and the importance of privacy from a crypto legend. In episode six of Verify Crypto, we take a deep dive into PIVX. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Verify Crypto. Today, I have a special guest with me by the name of Hans. Hans, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thanks, uh, Derek. Thanks for having me. Thank you for jumping on. So tell us, what is your background in crypto and how did you get started? My road into crypto and and blockchain. And I guess like many of us, uh, ultimately, I came into, um, into blockchain via Bitcoin. But... Let me start a little earlier. I always had a had a keen interest in technology, and I'm a kid who was born in the 1960s, and I grew up with the phenomenon we call the space age, going to the moon. As a, as a young boy, for me, going to the moon was an extraordinary voyage just to witness, and that gave me an opportunity to experience it, to appreciate the fact of, of A, anything is possible, and also technology will be an important driver in our role from here on out. So that sort of drove me towards having a curiosity for technology. And to me, I wasn't really interested in how, how the rocket boosters worked or how the navigation worked to get us to the moon. To me, it was interesting that we actually could go to the moon and we were actually, you know, were on the moon and exploring new new areas. So that's always has been a bit of my driver in technology, not necessarily focus on how does technology work, but how can it enable our lives. So I started working for AT&T in the 1990s, uh, became a consultant for the famous uh, Bell Labs, the research and development part of, uh, of AT&T. And that also enabled me to, to see actually the, the, the potential of technology because we were literally in, in, a, in a laboratory setting working on new technologies and for me it was always important to to see uh, that you could actually sometimes to find a use case sometimes you find the technology sometimes you find the use case and we was always looking at how can you combine the two because sometimes the technology drives sometimes a use case or a or, or a demand uh, the, the first is push and pull debate so that has always been very important in, in for me appreciating technology and finding my way there and I, I've always had a, had a soft spot for things that were new or, or unusual or things I actually couldn't understand. That always fascinated me. And I guess that's sort of how I got into Bitcoin as well and into blockchain as well, because you know, part of me couldn't understand it in the beginning. And I think a lot of people try to skip straight to the financial part, but there is actually quite an underlying part in blockchain and in Bitcoin that you, know, you need time uh, to actually appreciate the, the, the thoughts. So that is how I got into to blockchain and ultimately into crypto. And what I then sort of appreciated more and more was also that we needed to have a, a bit of focus on governance. And you know, technology is great, especially if you start working on, on you know, smart contracts, self executing contracts, it's very important that you also have an eye and a focus on governance. How do you organize, how do you structure it, and how do you make sure that it actually works for us, uh, the technology, and that we are not becoming part of technology and we are going to work for the technology. So that's how I got into the technology and into curiosity into to blockchain and crypto. 
do you remember by chance like your first crypto experience like the day that you bought bitcoin or any other crypto for example and about what timeline was that that was also uh, that was actually bitcoin and it's well people talk about you know it, it, it's uh, cheapest chips at the moment but when i bought it it was actually um, a lot cheaper than it is now you could actually you know buy whole coins i, I remember buying more than 10 bitcoins at, at my first buy and that might be any indication uh, that uh, that bitcoin was um, cheap and i was in it uh, relatively early and i also vividly remember the first time you know bitcoin hit a thousand or hit two thousand dollars you know those are sort of the the landmark moments in the industry and funny enough we still sometimes uh, celebrate the pizza day eh? that's that's the first time that actually someone paid for a pizza with, with, with bitcoin we sometimes still convert back to how much that would have been how many millions that 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 would have been which is great it's always a nice anecdote but I I always try also to to make sure that much much as important money is and and a monetary value is of, of of cryptocurrencies. At the moment, I believe there's so much more to it that we should have a focus and an interest for uh, rather than the monetary part. But it's it's I find it a legitimate and an interesting question and. It, it also shows a bit of your age, and, and yes, I'm in that sense one of the earlier uh, ones who um, um, entered the, the, the blockchain uh, arena. Awesome, man. Yeah, so you start in crypto, and then eventually you decide to kind of get more involved and start working on some of these projects to push the space further. How did that transition go? And and where are you at today with it? That's that's an interesting question. And 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 again, what, what I said earlier, I think it's important that the technology works for us, and we can work with technology. And technology doesn't come a leading uh, phenomenon that that dictates all the circumstances. And I think at the moment we have a big debate publicly about the role of media and big tech. Um, and I think a lot of people would argue has. Twitter or Facebook, have they gone too far? Have they too much influence? Uh, do algorithms who we don't know who made those algorithms, we don't know what rules were put into the algorithms, we don't know who's accountable for making those algorithms, they actually become and play an important role in our society. And I always felt that was was wrong. If if you and I simultaneously answer the same question for Google, we get different answers. How, how is that possible? Why is that? There might be a very legitimate reason for it. It might be customization of, of, of answers. Uh, one could also uh, question if that's actually um, legitimate. So for me, the, the governance aspect has become more and more uh, important. And I had a, a background in in, uh, in corporate governance in, in the normal business uh, setting. And I felt that it that would be a good place for governance in in blockchain as well how do you organize a blockchain how do you structure it what is your transparency what's your accountability uh, how do you go uh, with changes how do you uh, deal with differences within the community those are all governance questions and i felt that is important that we think about it we include that in our thinking, uh, possibly also in the code, um, but we also make sure that we um, acknowledge the fact that we are embracing a new technology and we, we're learning, we're figuring it out, and that also means that we need to um, respect uh, certain choices we need to make it at, at one point in time. So that was for me definitely a driver to make sure that 
we, we in my view, have, have a great opportunity. And if you sort of look at, at how the internet, um, I, I can still remember how the internet got started and it was extremely enthusiastic and positive about it. So, and, and what the internet now has become is, is definitely not what I think a lot of people in the community thought in the 1990s. And for me, it, it's in that sense a bit of a deja vu with blockchain and with crypto that we shouldn't let that happen again, like big companies dictating the whole ecosystem and the landscape, but treat it on its own merits, include the community, be transparent, be open source. Um, so that, that drove me to become involved in the blockchain and specifically in a decentralized component of the blockchain. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I I can't imagine being born in the 60s and going through every evolution <laughs> of technology. It's just wild to think about. I mean, I was born in the 90s, so for me, things like the internet went out, smartphones, you know, 4G networks, all of these technologies led us into where we're at today with Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, Web3. You know, it's insane. I would like to ask you, how did you get started into the projects you're with today and what are your roles there? Well, one of the things, um, I, I think let me highlight three projects uh, I've been involved with. Uh, the first one being Digibyte. I'm one of the co-founders of the Digibyte Foundation, not the blockchain, that's Jared Tate, but for the Digibyte Foundation. Um, and for me, that was a tool in getting in contact with the community and give voice uh, to the community. Second project I would like to uh, list is MetaBrands. Uh, MetaBrands is a resource DAO uh, that facilitates projects within the metaverse, player-earned economies, so people can nominate projects in which the community can fund and we can all participate in uh, via the resource DAO and people vote according to the number of tokens uh, they hold. And, and thirdly, and, and I recently became, last year became involved in PIVX, um, and PIVX is very well known for its privacy. And it's not a privacy coin uh, like Monero, it's more a decentralized form of a privacy coin, and it also gives you the choice how you choose your privacy, what level of privacy do you want. It can be an open, but it can also be a private private coin. Um, it's also a DAO, uh, and I'm now um, trying to uh, reboot and rekindle the DAO component and the foundation component of PIVX, uh, engaging with the community and also do more uh, outwards uh, interactions with um, with the ecosystem itself, like with you in this podcast, uh, to talk about what, what PIVX is and what the community is and what we can do in the ecosystem itself. So uh, Digibyte, uh, MetaBrands and PIVX. Uh, PIVX uh, for me would be uh, three projects uh, I feel um, I've left uh, a footprint in and I hope to uh, make an even uh, a better footprint because to me and 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 and, and then I um, get it back to give it back to you Derek to me it's important that we find this ecosystem and we all build on it we all contribute on it and we all leave it in a slightly better better shape than that we found it and that's um, that's what I want to do with the projects I get involved in as well and um, I I cannot change the world but myself but if we all do a little bit we constantly and continuously move forward and and progress and evolve it's incredible that you're able to dive into such diverse projects. I mean, not one of those projects are really the same. 
And the awesome thing about Digibyte is it was actually created by Jared Tate, who is local to where I live in Idaho. I'm not sure that he still lives here. However, Digibyte was incepted here in Idaho, and it is, you know, one of those top cryptocurrencies that are super decentralized and that also Pivx is really decentralized in a lot of aspects too. But the project I'm most interested about to ask questions on is Metabrands because it's up to date with the NFTs and Web3 stuff. Could you tell us a little bit about what Mage is working on? Yes, well, um, um, Metabrands is, is what I said is a resource now. So all the token holders itself can vote uh, on project we as, as, as a project participate in. So let's say I have an idea, this is a great project and, uh, 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 which is working on, uh, on, on a metaverse, for instance. You can nominate that project and we as a community within Metabrands can vote whether we want to participate in it as Metabrands, but also individually. So the project itself facilitates participations in metaverse projects, player-earned uh, economy models, and, and so forth and so on. Last week had our first uh, first anniversary, our first birthday, and so far we've, we've participated in, in eight or nine projects already, and I think in, in random order, to name a few, uh, Backstage, Outering, uh, Madroids, um, uh, Dream, uh, Chibinos, Cornucopias, uh, uh, jumble. So uh, a lot of projects we already participated uh, in. And the good thing is that as a token holder, uh, you obviously have rights to vote, but you can also convert your tokens into a relic, into an NFT. And that would entitle you to, well, I think the best way to say it is dividend uh, on projects, on, on the returns of projects. So even if you don't participate yourself individually uh, in the project, you can actually earn on the project the pro Metabrands itself participates in. So in that sense, it gives you uh, uh, dividends. And we've got three types of, of relics, an, an arts, a master, and an oracle. Um, and they're uh, 25, uh, 10, or 50,000 uh, mage uh, uh, tokens. And the more you have, uh, the more entitled you are to uh, a share of the profit, so to say. So it's a very easy, low barrier uh, access and entry for you to participate into the metaverse. And the metaverse is, is for a lot of people a, a new world, uh, sometimes perhaps even a bridge too far. So which project do you choose? Where do you want to participate in? How do you do your, your research? Well, we can do it collectively as a DAO. And that's the great strength, I would say, of Metabrain. So it, it, it is a tool that gives you comfort and safety, but it also gives you an opportunity to participate in projects you ordinarily wouldn't have found yourself. And by the power of crowd, we actually participate in and, and, and do the research uh, and do the feedback and actually aggregate the deal. So it, it's a very um, um, easy and low-key access way uh, to participate in uh, all sorts of projects. Again, in all sorts of projects that have uh, a play-to-earn model, uh, player-owned economies, uh, meta metaverse, or, or NFTs. Low-key way for you to get exposure to the metaverse. That sounds great. Yeah, I'm still slowly 
getting my toes wet with the metaverse. We'll see how how it goes for me there. Well, that should be precisely the reason, uh, Derek, uh, to have to have a look at MetaBrands and and for listeners, have have a look at MetaBrands. Now, read our white paper. Go to the DAO portal. See the ventures we participate in. Uh, read the tokenomics, and it's it's actually really built with us users, with us consumers, with us community in mind uh and it is really low-key yeah no i'm definitely gonna get involved and you know i'm kind of more of a go with the flow type of person so when it hits me and it hits me hard is when i'll start going all in you know and and we all have that moment like when we first get into crypto you know it's (laughs) it gets crazy so Tell me more a little bit about Pivx and what's going on with Pivx right now. I, I keep hearing the rumor mills in. I you know I just want to know. Okay, well, well let me first quickly uh, explain quickly what what, what Pivx is. Pivx is is the I would say you know the, the privacy coin and it really focuses on uh, on on you as an individual to provide you the level of privacy you seek and and you want. Um, it's one of the, the older uh, coins as well, uh, founded in 2015, released in January t- uh, 2016, and it was initially called Darknet. It later changed into um, uh, Pivx as, uh, as the name. Um, it's forked from Dash, and Dash was, as we know, forked from, uh, from Bitcoin. Um, it is a proof-of-stake uh, coin, um, and it has also the proof-of-stake algorithm. So the key offerings that, that Pivx have is um, now fast transaction, low fees, um, but above all, uh, I would say privacy is the number one issue we need to, uh, to mention as, as a feature. And having been created uh, in 2015, launched in 2016, you know, we're one of the few battle-tested uh, and hardened network that have uh, survived um, a, a lot of market uh, uh, turbulence. And uh, as a community, we've gone stronger. And as a community, there's one other thing I need to point out is there's, there's community-based governance. So as a community, we design the governance and we are uh, ruling on governance. So you can nominate projects, you can volunteer ideas. We as a community vote on it and it gets 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 implemented. So that's what, what, what PIVX uh, uh, is. Um, second point I would like to, to, to quickly um, uh, iterate on is, is, is privacy. And, and you know, privacy is a hot topic in, in, in the crypto space. So I, I need to talk one, uh, just a quick minute about what, what privacy is. And, and um, because some people talk about Bitcoin, for instance, oh, it's, it's money laundering, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, dodgy transactions of criminals. And, you know, actually it isn't because it's, it's so traceable. Uh, it, it doesn't provide you with, li- with, with um, the anonymous level of privacy uh, you might actually uh, uh, want. But what, we, what people understand is that we actually have a very um, a private monetary system at the moment. If I give you a $10 note, that's between you and I. No one else would know of that, that transaction. So why can we not provide that same level of comfort, that same level um, of privacy in an electronic form? And that is precisely what Pivx is doing. And the mission of Pivx is simple. Freedom is everything. And that is something uh, we really take at heart. We want to give you the choice 
to have that privacy and to have that freedom. Whether you want to use it, that is up to you. Because we see privacy as a non-negotiable basic human right and that should be available in an electronic form as well. Um, that's, so that's, that's, that's a quick sidestep uh, I just wanted to have on privacy and, and, and pivots. So I think the original question, <laughs> Derek, was you know, what's, what's happening? What's on the horizon? And I think it's important that, like any project, we, we focus on a few things. Uh, liquidity, for instance. And with liquidity, I, uh, I mean also getting uh, exposure to exchanges. I think a lot of exchanges are all, and a lot of projects are also seriously thinking about uh, the sex fee dex uh, discussion. Uh, being listed on centralized exchanges or do we want to go to decentralized exchanges and you know I if, if, if you and I had a discussion last month about FTX we probably would not have foreseen what what happened uh, where FTX is today um, uh, you know I, I didn't see that coming most people didn't see it coming in the ecosystem um, so the debate also for a lot of projects is do we want to still be exposed uh, on centralized exchanges or are we also migrating towards uh, decentralized uh, exchanges so um, that is also something um, I think PIVX uh, needs to worry about and I call that uh, liquidity um, secondly um, I think the focus would be on adaptation use cases use cases use cases and you can have the best technology if you do not have a use case ultimately there will not be a, a massive adaptation for you um, the thing that Ethereum still drives is obviously the smart contracts. Uh, NFTs, uh, you know, we all drive to ERC20, ER721. Uh, that drives the traffic. That is a use case um, uh, for the Ethereum network. So adaptation um, is really uh, important. Um, lastly, I think uh, we need to focus on um, the integrity of the network, the integrity of the blockchain. The PIVX uh, blockchain um, is, is, is really battle tested, uh, it's been around for six, seven years now. That uh, is, is something uh, that is not, not, not granted easily. That means that there has been a constantly uh, evolving of the network, of the technology and of the blockchain and of the community. We need to keep moving forward continuously. So that's why I also said, if we all participate a little bit and then we all slightly push the can further, we all make sure that we evolve uh, uh, better into the, into the ecosystem. Um, so that's definitely another uh, thing that's definitely on the focus of, um, of PIVX. But, but lastly, and I think that might be uh, even, even a, a superseding, is that the community. Uh, we are decentralized. That means uh, the community is, is, is everything for us. Without it, there wouldn't be a project. Without it, there wouldn't be a blockchain. Without it, there wouldn't be a coin. Without it, there wouldn't be rules. Without it, there wouldn't be governance. Without it, there wouldn't be privacy. So our community is first and foremost, like any decentralized project, uh, should be the key focus of, of our activities. And that's also the way I see my role within PIVX uh, in making sure that we latch on to the community, integrate, give voice to the community, and together um, uh, build uh, moving forward.
community is certainly the most powerful aspect to cryptocurrency projects, especially when you can attract builders, developers, creators, and people that love to contribute to you know this emerging technology and space. When it comes to things like MetaBrands and Mage, it's also decentralized in a lot of ways, right? Correct. And with that, it's using things like smart contracts and such to keep such a decentralized aspect? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the decentralized aspect of, of, of MetaBrands is, and um, I, I think is, is so ingrained in the roots itself, there are no founders to MetaBrands. There are 12 advisors. And um, although not all 12 put in the same effort or the same time or the same expertise, it was a collective effort in getting MetaBrands started. And that was a very smart decision you know, of, of, of one or two of the guys that said, no, we shouldn't call ourselves founders, we should call ourselves advisors because you know, we just we just you know, facilitate a process uh, along the way and the process itself is is community driven um, and even as a group of 12 you know we were in that sense a community perhaps you not know, perhaps you could say the genesis community um, but that community evolved and if you look at the discussions and the debates on uh, discord for instance or, or on twitter you know uh, you see that that traction and that participate participation and that input um, of the community growing growing and growing and that is precisely what that decentralized aspect uh, should uh, should be and is and um, i i think it was such a great idea of metabrands to uh, incorporate it that even in inception before the project was even launched uh, you know that idea um, of decentralization and thinking decentralized uh, and working decentralized um, was very much um, a, a vocal point and, and a respected uh, principle. So now I'm kind of bouncing all over the place with these projects, but something, if I recall correctly, Pivix is a masternode project and it has a collateral of what? Is it 10,000? Yes, 10,000 Pivix is, is one master, masternode, correct. All right, so that's good. Tell me a little bit about Zero knowledge and how does Pivix handle bad actors with illegal transactions? Yeah, it's an important. That's an important question um, because zero knowledge proof is an important component uh, of the underlying technology uh, that Pivix uses. And for those who are not that familiar with zero knowledge proof, is is you establishing a fact without giving details. And you know, the best example I always like is about the, the colorblind guy. And let's say uh, I'm colorblind and I got a red and a green ball in my hand. The two balls are identical. The only one is red and the other one is green. Uh, to me, they look identical. And I put them behind my back and I switch them around and I show them to you and you say, Ah, the one in your left hand is red, okay. And then I put them behind my back again. And you don't know whether I'm switching the balls in my hands or not, and I take them out again, and you point out that one is the green one. And we do that three, four, five times. If, if I do that once, you think, oh, it was a lucky guess. If I do it twice, you think, ah, still lucky. If I do that four or five times in a row, then you think, hey, actually, without me knowing that the balls are green or red, I believe that they are differently in color. I don't know it, 
but I believe you. That's that's called zero knowledge proof. Um, but zero knowledge proof can also um, uh, facilitate uh, what people some people called um, illegal transactions, and there is no way for this for the blockchain uh, to control that for the simple reason that a decentralized project is permissionless. So anyone can use the blockchain. Anyone can use it. So um, that is, is, is more or less the, 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 the short and thick of it. But what people do not understand, uh, what people not necessarily uh, realize is that you can do the same thing with, 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 with gold, with silver, with fiat, with diamonds, you know, with any other commodity um, or proof of sort of value. You can actually have illegal transactions. And the biggest frauds in history uh, today are still done uh, with a legacy fiat system and in a regulated system. Yeah, go to any big bank on, on Wall Street and they they launder five million dollars before the coffee break, right? It's 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 it really dead scope. Um, and ironically enough is that although crypto might have the idea that people actually use it uh, to launder money um, or to fund terrorism, if uh, it's actually uh, if people look at it, even most most criminals themselves in in interviews and in studies have indicated that they they actually don't trust the system themselves. So it it's really not that uh, it's really not that, that that well used within within that sector. Um, and you know, for us, it's also important that we do provide that level of of privacy. As I said, privacy is, is a human basic right. Uh, so it's important that um, uh, we facilitate that that technology. You know, in in, in some countries, uh, cryptos um, is uh, are, are being made illegal. That means that all crypto transactions, even uh, for those blockchain and those cryptos that are not um, uh, not privacy coins, you still make those uh, transactions uh, illegal. And you know that, that is quite weird. How can you have uh, a freedom uh, without privacy? And they, they go together. And that's why it's so important to provide uh, privacy in the crypto system, because privacy gives you freedom. And you cannot have freedom if you give up your privacy, it's it, it's just as simple as that. And and uh, try to think about uh, CDBCs, central bank digital currencies. I think it's very um, very hard to provide privacy um, uh, for the individual consumer uh, in a CDBC system. Everything you do, every cent, every dollar, every penny is being controlled and is being is being is being monitored and um that that is not freedom um that would be a, a way to a totalitarian system and that's why we feel that privacy is so important and decentralization is being mean uh, means being permissionless you cannot have one without the other so that's why uh, privacy is so important and, and that's why the focus not uh, should be on on, uh, on money laundering or illegal activities. No, it should be on you as a consumer that you want freedom and freedom 
gossip privacy. You're absolutely right, man. And that's why we're here today doing what we do, is we have a lot bigger views on the world and what's coming in the future. And, and if, I, if I may, um, uh, I was just thinking of another thing is that, you know, we're at, at the end of the year and, and you know, then people are always asked, oh, I see this trend happening for next year. You know, this is going to happen in the next five years. Trust me, I, I cannot tell you what's going to happen in the next five years. Anyone who can is, is, is a total no, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I, I have respect for people who think they can look five years ahead in this ecosystem. I cannot. Um, but what I do uh, see um, uh, happening um, f for the next next year is that, um, that that innovation will keep going. And that means that things like NFTs and Web3 and Metaverse uh, and DeFi or spin-offs of DeFi will continue to rise, will continue to, to happen and will continue to materialize. Um, I think that, that DeFi will prove to be a catalyst for a lot of use cases and by that fueling adaptation in the ecosystem. Um, that, that is um, um, definitely going to happen with DeFi uh, uh, next year or the year uh, after that, I would say. Um, and I think an interesting thing that happened with, with when we first started NFTs is that, well, anything can be tokenized. And um, you know, we, we tokenize a lot of the quirky things now. Uh, you know, um, have a house next to Snoop Dogg in, in the metaverse. Yeah, very funny. Or have part of his song, his latest song, uh, uh, converted into NFTs and have part of the ownership of that. But tokenization, um, uh, and digitization of, of, of real-life assets, um, either into uh, NFTs or into the metaverse, um, will we'll, we'll move forward. Uh, I'm, I'm quite, um, quite convinced uh, uh, of that. Um, but I also see a couple of, of bottlenecks still along, along the road. And I think resources is a big issue. And with resources, I mean uh, developers, programmers, but also people who can actually audit uh, a smart contract. Uh, you know, sometimes a project is, is is ready to get launched, and you know they don't have have the right audit. So I I, can't, I cannot audit uh, a smart contract. Um, for me, it's important to know whether a contract has been audited or not before you participate in it. So the resources is is a bit of an um, is a bit of a, a bottleneck. And um, secondly, I, I still see the the, the regulatory ambiguity. Uh, you know, different countries, different regimes, different different rules. Uh, what is going to happen? That, that still that discussion uh, and that uncertainty will still linger on in in, in the market, in, uh, in in my view. And 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 lastly, I think that the opportunists, uh, the greed and the FOMO, will continue to flare up uh, next year. That is, uh, in my view, unavoidable, uh, unfortunately. It's a phenomenon we, we've gotten used to in the ecosystem, uh, and it will uh, will flare up. Um, but but ultimately, I think we're also going to see the need for for transparency, uh, the need for privacy, um, and I also think that after FTX, uh, the DEX uh, ecosystem will uh, will grow stronger. As you're talking there, it's kind of thinking about how crypto in general is almost like a battlefield where we're all walking through this dreaded terrain and, you know, FTX is a landmine going off. It may not have affected us personally, but it 
obviously affected people that we know. And with that, crypto is about survival. And when you first get into crypto, it's about you know speculation and perhaps making money. When you get to this evolution with it where you understand it's about survival, it's a marathon, and at any moment a landmine can go off, it's good to be <laughs> true uh, aware of what you're doing as much as possible. But crypto also makes us be highly responsible with our own money. And that's something that I feel the world's not ready yet for is responsibility with things like that. If we rely so much on the banking system. No, I, I think if, if I may, may, may make one comment to what you just said, and, and to me that sort of sums up a, a, a mantra, uh, do your own research, not your keys, not your coins, and only invest what you can afford to lose. I mean, that, that to me is such an important mantra that, that especially so is true in, uh, in, in the crypto ecosystem. And I, what you just said is is was precisely that, and and you know that 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 mantra should should be on top of your computer on every screen if you start it up. You know that should be a reminder you get every day, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I don't have too many more questions for you. I guess I would like to ask for everyone listening: Where do we find out more about you, Hans, and the projects that you're involved with? If you could please share. Absolutely. I'll always be happy to do that. I think uh, metabrands.io uh, is a great uh, uh, portal. Pivx, P-I-V-X.org. Also, the, the Twitter handles, uh, as well as the discords, uh, are public and open. Uh, please join that. There's a lot of uh, discussions, a lot of information, and a lot of research going on that might be useful and insightful. And it also opens the door for you to get involved in it. And speaking personally for Pivx or for MetaBrands, I welcome people's input. I find it important that we get involvement, feedback and traction from the community. So I'd love to engage with people and I find it important that voices are being heard, whatever the voice is. And even if it's conflicting to my own opinion, I think that's precisely what builds us stronger as a blockchain and as a network and as a community. So I welcome that. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, my uh, handle is at uh, Hans Koning, uh, just one word. And please engage with me, either via the projects or with me directly. And I'll uh, look forward to your thoughts and your, uh, and your ideas. Thank you, Hans. That will wrap it up for episode six of Verify Crypto. If you like this content, like, subscribe, share. We'll catch you next time. This episode is sponsored by StakeCube. Trade, earn, build. StakeCube is an all-in-one crypto ecosystem equipped with an exchange, NFT marketplace, staking, and more. Join the future of finance while earning competitive APYs through multiple strategies across a wide range of crypto assets. With safety and efficiency in mind at StakeCube.net. Verify Crypto is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Information shared from the host or guests featured in this recording should not be viewed as investment or financial advice. Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are considered as risky and speculative investments. If you're seeking investment or financial advice, find a licensed and professional financial advisor.